if the work that we're trying to do in the schoolhouse doesn't speak for itself, a performative statement posted on our walls and posted on our webpage will not do any justice for race and racism. You are listening to School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for North Carolina public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm Kevin Smith, the Community Relations Coordinator for Transylvania County Schools, and I'm also a member of the media team and state coordinator for the Board of Directors at NCSPRA, the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. Thank you for joining us for today's show. We have an amazing conversation teed up with Dr. John Marshall and Renee Murphy from Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky. To set the stage for this episode of our podcast, we recently learned from Renee Murphy, the Chief Communications Officer at JCPS, when she gave a presentation to the membership of our NCSPR organization. And Dr. John Marshall is a close coworker and mentor to James Ford, a recent guest on our podcast talking about racial equity in North Carolina's public schools. These two together form a powerful team at Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was so excited to hear them share what it's like to have coworkers at the highest level when issues around equity across every dimension of the school system take center stage in the daily work and the long-term planning for what a school system can accomplish. We're really excited and privileged to bring this conversation forward for you and hope you enjoy it. Let's start the show right here. Well, welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time. My name is Kevin Smith, and it's my pleasure to have two very important individuals, Renee Murphy, who has recently spoken to our NCSPRA public information officers across the state of North Carolina, and a special guest, Dr. John Marshall, who recently presented to the North Carolina Principals Association, NCPAPA. We are so grateful to have you all, Dr. Marshall and Renee. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. Marshall, I'd like to get you to kick us off for just a second because uh, you hold a position that not every district here in North Carolina may have. We're, we're speaking with two individuals who work together in Jefferson County Public Schools, JCPS in Louisville, Kentucky. And Dr. Marshall, you're the chief equity officer. In a nutshell, sir, what does that mean for you and your work at Jefferson County? Um, really, it's, uh, it's my role to actually make sure that we get past this thing called equal and we really start challenging what we're doing to make sure every student and family in which we serve has what they need. So without going over my entire um, diagram or my entire org chart, for the sake of time, Dr. John Marshall's role in Jefferson County Public Schools, the 26th or 27th biggest district in the nation, is to advocate and agitate internally uh, what the district needs to be doing for our students and our community based on the historical data that says we have not done a good job at it thus far. And this is not the first position you have held officially within JCPS. You, you have a number of things on your resume before this. Sure. First position was student. Second <laughs> position was teacher, the counselor, and then administrator, assistant principal, and now chief equity officer. I have been in JCPS my entire life. We are so proud to have you. And thank you for joining the show today, sir. Thank you. Renee Murphy, you are, please tell us about your role with JCPS. You've been there for a number of years now, but you also had a long history in communications before joining the public school system in Louisville. 
Yes, I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, thank you for inviting me on. I am the Chief Communications Officer for Jefferson County Public Schools. I have completed two years in this role. Um, it has been very rewarding and it's been a great experience. And prior to coming on to JCPS, uh, I was in television media and um, JCPS actually was my beat for many, many years. And I covered the district um, information through a lot of different uh, changes and turnarounds and different plans. So I was on that side of things. And so now I'm excited to uh, work on this side and share the story of JCPS. It's important to me personally, and it's important for our community. You all have had a very eventful two years since Renee Murphy came on board. There's a lot that has happened. And uh, I'll remind for, for our listeners who are school PR professionals here in North Carolina, uh, we did have a session earlier this fall where Renee came on and explained many of the difficulties and success stories that came out of being in Louisville this year. Uh, and especially as the Brianna Taylor verdict was coming forward or the indictments were being handed out, that was something that brought your attention, brought you to our attention very, very immediately. And we would definitely want, uh, we want to leave some time to talk today about how you've seen JCPS grow during that process. But we're here to talk about the bigger question of how equity is defined within a school system and then how strategic communicators like us I'll be brave there and just say, Renee, we're so grateful to have you as a chief communicator for JCPS and our school PR professionals here in North Carolina listening in. There is a real challenge when equity is a priority in your school system. And Dr. Marshall and uh, Renee, you, you all have had to work together on that um, because making sure that equity is at the heart of what you do uh, is probably something that most school systems would say they do. Dr. Marshall, would you would you agree that the use of the word equity by now has become something pretty common and we would not be able to enter most conversations about our school systems without some dimension of equity entering the room? Sure. I don't know if you can have a public school without saying you're equitable. Having a public school and being equitable might be a bigger challenge and that's kind of where we are. Mm. So yes, you, there are definitely conversations and there's definitely a need for equity beyond the discourse and discussion. You know, it's dedication and doing is where we are. And kudos to Chief Renee Murphy uh, for actually adding to that. I've been up in central office longer than she has, but you are right. The last two years with uh, her supporting us in this work has been a at bullet speed, thanks to her acumen and just tenacity and belief in racial equity. I want to unpack something you just said there, that there can be a difference between saying it and doing it. And that seems so obvious, but in your experience and in the work that you've done, how would you describe that divergence or the discrepancy between what we say about equity on the one hand, and again, as communicators, we're really keyed in on the things we say, uh, and the reality that you sometimes see on the ground and, and where your work is focused? Sure. I mean, and as communicators, you all know better than most, there are things that you say, and then if you peel back the onion and do investigation or look into it, it was simply just said and not done. Um, so what, what we have to do when we communicate and what Chief Murphy does very well is we communicate where we are inequitable, but we also communicate where we are making serious strides in achieving equity. We have not said we have arrived in the, uh, to the field goal of equity, but we have started moving up the field. So in doing so, you do not shy away from the data that is clear that we are disproportionate, mistreat, marginalized, and mute students of color, but it's also clear that we are doing systemic level changing to do the work. So that, that's the important part. I don't know if you can find a mission statement or a vision statement in any public school that doesn't have equity in it or speak to it. 
But when you start really looking for tangible things that show what districts are doing, it becomes harder to find that clover, if you will. And I want to own that. And I want to go ahead and, and refer to the diversity statement that JCPS has on its, on its website. This is obviously something important. You do have to, as communicators, as school systems, uh, as uh, members <clears throat> of the public who hold the public trust, you have to say something. You have to be committed. And your, your website says you're committed to a world-class school system that supports educational excellence regardless of ethnicity, race, color, national origin, age, different abilities, religion, marital or parental status, political affiliations or beliefs. I'm, I'm still going. There's more. Uh, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. But it's this next sentence that means a lot to me and where I want to ask Renee some questions. Equitable academic programs and services that respond to the needs of a diverse student population and prepare all students for a changing workplace within a global economy are essential. Renee, I work in school PR here in Transylvania County. It's a tiny little county in North Carolina. We have 3,400 students. I struggle every day to find the right stories that will embody that quest for equity and that search for, for where teaching and learning are bringing that into reality. When you go to work every day and you are responsible for helping to tell the story of your school system, recognizing that you're still on that path, as Dr. Marshall said, what, what are some of the things that guide your work? How do you know that you are moving in the right direction with the relationships and the, and the content that you're bringing in from, from your schools? Dr. Marshall and I have a lot of conversations about that, actually, and about what kind of stories are we telling? What should we be telling? Um, how can we flip what we've been saying all this time to really reflect who we are as a district and who our students and our staff are? So when I come in every day, and I recently had this conversation with my team, I said, look, our focus is around these three pillars. It's around culture climate, it's around racial equity, it's around our backpack of success skills and deeper learning. So we have to look at everything that we produce through that lens and making sure it aligns with our, our key vision and our message. And so when taking a look at racial equity, um, there, there are certainly some stories that, that we can tell that, that cross over all three pillars. Um, and that's one of the things that we like to do. I think too, with our, our push to have um, deeper learning opportunities and more authentic learning opportunities. Well, we look at our backpack of success skills and making sure that all of our students have the skills they need for life, not just the academic skills that are very specific to what you think about with core curriculum, but the other skills that matter most in the workplace, like collaboration, communication, uh, being in, uh, innovative. And so when I look at our stories and making sure that we're telling that story, that we're representing all students um, who, who are, are doing this work with us, that are on this journey with us and are learning and having these new experiences. Um, so I try to make sure that we are, are sharing that message uh, of who we are, sharing the message of the work that our students are doing, um, and that we are more than, than worksheets. Um, and that's one of the things that we really wanted to, to showcase to the community all the things that our students are capable of. And I think over these past two years, since we've made had an intense focus on that, we've been able to see that. Um, and we've been able to share those stories through video, through earned media, um, through our website, through social media. And we've really been able to get that message out there about what we're doing in JCPS. And I think too, 
you know, wherever there's a challenge, there's also an opportunity. So with our virtual learning that we're in right now, we have seen great opportunity for students to have um, good experiences in the virtual space. Again, it's not ideal exactly where we want to be. We know in-person learning is always um, preferred, but we have seen students um, be able to, to experience new things in, in this virtual setting and have opportunities that maybe uh, fit their needs, whereas the traditional classroom did not. For folks who have tuned into the podcast and have made it through these first eight to 10 minutes, I just want to recognize something really important that we heard almost the same thing from Dr. Marshall as the chief equity officer that we heard from Renee Murphy as the chief communications officer. And yet the nuances of difference between the different roles and how these two offices work together is something that I think I'm going to go back and listen to again and again to understand how important it is to have thought leadership and the method for communicating this and filtering it to our audiences, uh, that is so, so important. And I really want to appreciate that you all bring that kind of dynamic to the table. Uh, Renee, you mentioned how just in these past couple of years and definitely during the pandemic, you've probably ticked every box. If we were to set up a bingo card for, for what a school system has run into during, during COVID, um, have we had teachers called out for what's behind them on their screen? Have we had issues with whether there's equitable access to the internet or to computers? Have you know every possible way that inequities could be escalated has probably come to the forefront. And yet, one of the things you all did uniquely, uh, and and why uh, why I want to reference this and remind folks of a conversation we had earlier this fall, uh, not everyone is in Louisville, Kentucky, and so you all had some very specific experiences to go through. And uh, we're going to talk later on in today's program about a systemic, a very systematic approach in JCPS called the REAP, the Racial Equity Analysis Protocol. And I'm wondering if you could help us understand what it was like to be in Louisville as, uh, as the Brianna Taylor case was coming to a head and as the indictments were being brought forward. Uh, how was your community prepared? You had so many uh, vital things to share with that. And I want to hear from you and Dr. Marshall about the different foundational pieces that were laid in place before that even came into public view. Sure, I can jump in here first. I'll let Dr. Marshall um, expand. So where we were most recently when the decisions came down about what was going to happen with the officers involved in the Breonna Taylor case, um, we, we knew it was coming at some point. So we knew we had to be prepared based off what happened in the spring. So in the spring, um, we, we didn't know that it was going to play out like that after the death of George Floyd. Um, remember, Breonna Taylor um, was killed in March, and that was right around the same time that we were also closing our schools to in-person learning because of COVID-19. Um, so there, was, there were a lot of things that were going on in March. Not a good time to engage in anything except the, the, the bare basics of survival, and yet there it was, staring yeah. you in the face. <laughs> And that's where we were. So then in May, um, when everything came to the forefront, um, we had to come up with a plan. What was our messaging? What was our superintendent going to say? What were we going to say as a district? Um, and having those conversations. And I'm really glad that we were able to have those conversations in, in a very open way. So then fast forward to what happened recently, we knew we had to be prepared. So we, we went through what are all the steps that we need to have in place to make sure that our teachers are supported, to make sure that our families know what's going on, to make sure that we have the correct message out there to the community about who we are and what we stand for. And a credit to Dr. Marshall, you know, over the summer, there was a lot of professional development about having these courageous conversations and creating the space for our teams in our schools 
to let students speak um, and, and express themselves and, and to have, have questions that they are comfortable um, asking in the classroom. And so a uh, big credit to Dr. Marshall's team and the Office of Diversity, Equity and Poverty um, for having those professional developments in, in the summer and having, having that training in place so that we all were prepared at every level from central office to our external communication uh, to what was happening uh, within our schools, even though we were in the virtual setting with our schools. Dr. John Marshall, please help me expand on that a little bit. You, you have some very specific ideas about the role of a school system. This is clearly uh, an issue, whether it's Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, this issue writ large over a year, over five years, 50 years, whatever time frame you want to use, this is an issue that roils all of society. It's an issue that has been called divisive. It's an issue that we see as uh, the occasion for talking about injustice or justice as the case may be. Um, some people would even use more powerful words like oppressive systems and, and pu putting people in different roles. Your school system in Jefferson County in Louisville, Kentucky has a very particular purpose. Um, this affects all of society, but you as a school system have some very part particular things that you can accomplish. How did you, how did you bring that, uh, that kind of thinking to bear in terms of preparing your school system for what the community was gonna go through? I think actually, I don't know, as horrible as it may sound, every urban school or most schools, districts or most urban cities have or will face this kind of thing that we faced with mm. Breonna Taylor. Yes, sir. And first and foremost, we also have to understand that the two pandemics in which JCPS is dealing with now, a vaccine will be coming for one soon, but the vaccine for racism only will be emancipated in the schoolhouse. What we were lucky enough to do is have a racial equity policy I won't say lucky, what we were intentional about is having a racial equity policy that predates the lynching of Breonna Taylor. So our superintendent, when it came time for a community to say, Dr. Marshall, you're gonna make a statement. Dr. Marshall, can you say this? If my body of work doesn't speak for itself, if the work that we're trying to do in the schoolhouse doesn't speak for itself, a performative statement posted on our walls and posted on our webpage will not do any justice for race and racism. So when we start talking about what Jefferson County Public Schools is doing in response to what happened with Breonna Taylor, if anything, it's doubling down on what we were doing before. It's doubling down on um, things we had witnessed around racism with our own data and things we had witnessed around George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Sandra Bland, and many others. So although this happened in our backyard, our entire scope of the problem sits well beyond what just happened, and I won't say just, what happened with Breonna Taylor. So I think it is our the schoolhouse's job or the schoolhouse role and all that work within the schoolhouse community, communication included, is to emancipate and eradicate. If we're not doing that through our curriculum, if we're not doing that through our systems, we're actually contributing to an oppressive system. So the racial equity policy says, okay, now you talk, you've talked about equity and you're, you claim to be about all kids, now we have a policy in place that says you must. And we're now making it uncomfortable for this to sit in this seat if you want. And that's kind of where we were pre Breonna Taylor. And that's kind of what the superintendent, you can find it. He said, we're going to double down. My statement is we're going to double down on racial equity. So there's an expression of unity across the entire administration of your school system. And that's so critically important. If the schools are going to be a beacon or any kind of guiding light for the rest of the community, what kind of response have you had, Dr. Marshall, as we're getting close to the end of this first half of our conversation sure. today, how has the community taken the work that you're doing in JCPS uh, and how have they responded to it? 
It, it's varied. I have a folder full of hate mail and a folder full of love. Um, but that is um, that is an exposition of where we are in America, right? Renee but, Murphy, that, that doesn't sound too unfamiliar. All, we all, that, that, that is the communicator's job. So Dr. Marshall, you must be doing something right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And unapologetically, love, I, I receive all of it and read it with uh, glowing ambition, regardless of the tenor of it. So I, I just think that's kind of our role is to just make sure we're doing right. And the fact that there are people bothered and no longer comfortable means that um, uh, right, uh, righteousness is getting crowded. And we're trying to do the right thing. And, um, you know, there's room for everybody if everybody makes room. We are here on School PR Drive Time and talking with two special guests from Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. John Marshall is the chief equity officer and has had a number of titles, starting with student in Louisville's (laughs) public schools. And Renee Murphy is the chief communications officer. And we are so grateful to you all for sharing these thoughts on the importance of equity, how it's implemented, how it works, uh, and what the challenges are. We're going to talk more about some of those successes and challenges in the second half of the show. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this. Hello, this is Stacia Harris, a member of the media team and board of directors with NCSPRA, the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. I'm also the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. We hope you're enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time, the NCSPRA podcast about driving the narrative forward in support of public education. In 2021, we want to know more about the people who make good things happen every day for every student in North Carolina's public schools. They're the same folks who make news for our members to share with their communities. And this podcast is one way we hope to spread the news for all of our listeners. Please follow NCSPRA on social media and learn how school PR supports the mission of everyone in North Carolina's public schools. Share this program with someone you think will appreciate knowing more and subscribe yourself wherever you get your podcasts. We're glad you joined us. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you for staying with us. We're kicking off the second half of School PR Drive Time. My name is Kevin Smith. I'm a member of the board of the North Carolina School PR Association, and I'm so grateful to have Dr. John Marshall, Chief Equity Officer, and Renee Murphy, Chief Communications Officer from Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky. And I want to pivot back to something that I heard Dr. Marshall say about, about alignment and the importance that everybody is on the same page and how, how critical it is to have messaging and action unified from the top all the way down, from the superintendent's office down to the classroom. And Renee Murphy, you're, you're kind of at the, at the kernel of that. You're at the heart of that work. Tell me what it's like when you see this alignment and this unity taking place uh, within Jefferson County Public Schools. Well, that unity certainly is a beautiful thing to see, and the alignment is so important, and it really does start at the top. So your superintendent has to set the tone for the expectation um, and and what is going to be happening, what is the goal of the district. And so our our superintendent made it very clear that racial equity was going to be a pillar for our district, and it was going to be important. We've been talking about these issues in different pieces, uh, but we didn't have a centralized, clear focus for exactly how we were going to address some of our challenges. And so our superintendent was able to to set the stage and and set the expectation so it could go from central office all the way to the classroom and so that every teacher would know the expectation, every administrator, everyone here at central office would know what we were doing. And he and I had a conversation early on and, you know, we could have easily said equity, um, but we had to say racial equity. 
Uh, we had to be very intentional about our steps and about the purpose of what we were trying to do. And so that has been critical and making sure that the message is very clear and making sure that everyone understands that racial equity is not something that's over here that we do. It has to be embedded in all of our work across the district. And when we look at all of our steps and our practices, our policies, our procedures, and what we are doing, we always have to have racial equity as a part of that conversation as well. That is so important. I've heard you reference these pillars, these three pillars that clearly are guiding your work, the racial equity, uh, culture and climate, and a backpack of skills. Dr. Marshall, these three pillars have worked together uh, in your work to become something very tangible. You have a system in place right now that allows you as the chief equity officer and any person anywhere within the school system to get an immediate and accurate reading of how well you're meeting those those pillars that you've set for yourself. There are not many districts that have this kind of system in place. What is the racial equity analysis protocol and how did it come to be adopted in Jefferson County's public schools? Um, Racial equity analysis protocol is a battery of questions that administrators and leaders are those um, leading students in whatever capacity can use to make sure that the decisions they are making or are about to make do not um, disproportionately mistreat students of color, particularly in JCPS black and brown students. It is questions that actually allow you to think and pause and say, if I do this, could the Renee Murphys and the John Marshalls of the world be marginalized, could be left out, could be mistreated? If I say, uh, if I want to do this policy or this practice for my school, and I run it through these questions and I realize that it will actually, it actually has the potential to hurt and do harm to students of color, I can pause. So as opposed to coming in and saying, Marshall High School is going to do this. What we are now putting in place is, we have an idea and we think we wanna do it, but we're going to run it through the REAP, the Racial Equity Analysis Protocol, to make sure that we are um, not being racist which is also another admission to there have been times where we have not done this and we have um, mistreated students of color. During November, going into December, one of the things that comes up every year is Thanksgiving. There are uh, drives related around food. Uh, We've already kind of touched on how uh, computer access, internet access, these are other issues. Dr. Marshall, you had some pretty colorful examples of the ways that the Thanksgiving season can Mm -hmm. unwittingly totally without any, uh, any plan can lead to some inequities and some gaps in the way some policies are implemented. What are some of these simple school level policies that might, that might be the cause for you to do a REAP analysis and make sure that things are going according to plan? Sure. Uh, dress code, uh, bring a canned food and you don't have to do your final behavior. I like the sound of that. I like the sound yeah. of that. It's so simple, sir. If I bring in some canned goods, I won't have to take my final. That sounds great. What's the problem? I need those canned goods to eat. I can't afford to give them away because I'm. I need you to give me some canned goods. So, some students can't bring those in because every canned food good they have, if they have it, might not. That we can't afford to give those away. So it, it is. It is simple things like that. That when we really start thinking and we really start unpacking, or we write, or we start saying that this hairstyle is distracting, we can really get into some things that are marginalizing students of color. If we really start challenging what the rules are and why we have to have them, and we see that those rules actually cater to a specific group of people, then we can, we can catch that with the racial equity analysis protocol 
and not do it. Renee Murphy, you're at the forefront of a lot of these things. I'm sure this REAP, the racial equity analysis protocol, is not something that would just be done by Dr. Marshall. This could be done by any number of people within the school system. How does it work uh, in real time in your experience? So yes, every department takes their practices, policies, procedures through the REAP. And it has been an eye-opening experience for a lot of people when you really break it down and you look at what are the unintended consequences of our actions. Are we really taking an equitable approach to helping all students? Um, So I would say the REAP really has been um, something that has really been revealing um, in our district to show that the things that we have been doing maybe they were not in the best interest of all of our students. Um, So there's been a great synergy from uh, Dr. Marshall's department, as well as other departments across the district and and down to our schools, um, being able to look at things. And I I think through the pandemic and through COVID-19 and incorporate that with uh, the REAP, I think uh, we are seeing things very differently and much clearer that support students and their educational outcomes. How do parents and the community get access to understand the status of racial equity and your analysis through through these REAP uh, experiences, through the tool that you're using? How is that communicated? And I'd love to understand what the response from families and the whole community is. Uh, Renee, you might be a good person to start that off. Dr. Marshall is smiling there because he knows that uh, (laughs) sometimes there are challenges. Um, Sometimes people have questions about why are we doing things this way? Uh, Why aren't we doing it the way we've always done it? Because we know the way that we have always done things, um, that's not working. We know we have to look at things differently to meet the needs of our students. So we have information about the REAP um, on our website, and we'll be sharing more information um, as we move forward about our progress in terms of where we are with racial equity. Dr. Marshall provides updates to um, to our board members about that. We share out information and presentations about where we are. Um, very recently, we were able to share out information with the community about um, our efforts about attracting and retaining um, Black teachers and teachers of color. And uh, while we're still working towards reaching our goal, we have seen some great success uh, under the leadership of Dr. Marshall with our teacher residency program. Uh, we've been able to, to really introduce new people into the world of education, um, and it has been a really good experience. So we were able to provide updates around that. And whenever we have um, certain areas where we see uh, we're, we're, we're moving the needle, uh, we like to highlight that. So whether that is um, identifying more students as gifted and talented, more students of color as gifted and talented, or whether it's um, attracting and retaining um, more black teachers and teachers of color, we will always celebrate that, make sure the community knows that, and also have a very transparent process for where we are. And if we are not moving the needle any, um, we're accountable for that. We have to own that. And we have to be really clear to the community that, you know what, we have to keep pressing forward if we're going to make the progress we know we have to make. I love hearing Renee Murphy from the Chief Communications Officer Desk talk about some initiatives that are very close to home for us here in North Carolina. There's been a lot of introspection and work done to make sure that our AIG programs statewide are more equitable and more inclusive of many different uh, realms, and as well as being more racially equitable. Uh, the governor's, uh, Governor Cooper's drive task force is very specifically dedicated to a number of measurable goals, including uh, recruiting and retaining more teachers of color. And we've had a lot of exciting engagement on that here in the state of North Carolina. We recently spoke with James Ford, who uh, is helping to shepherd the strategic plan for the State Board of Education. And Dr. Marshall, when, when these REAP protocols are, are run through, 
of course, it's great when it can work on the school level and we can talk about making sure that can drive gets fixed or that, you know, this classroom or this set of, you know, these set of practices can be handled, but it also rises all the way to the very top. Sir, were you telling me that your cabinet, how, how often do you all at the central office, how often do you go through this process to, to make sure that you are staying true to those goals? Uh, just about every Monday. If we don't do a REAP, we have the, the way superintendent has it set up, all chiefs have dedicated time in cabinet. I wanted to dedicate our times to doing reaps or talking about racial equity. So just about every Monday, we will filter a district level process, practice, policy, or desire through the racial equity analysis protocol. So we are very fluid in it. It, uh, it leads to rich conversation. But again, uh, the reap is only successful in as honest as you answer it. So you have to be I like the word you use, introspection. What racial equity analysis, what racial equity must do is be institutionally introspective. It can't do, it has to look at what we're doing. They can't look at what kids and parents aren't and are not doing. So the REAPs are actually to talk about processes that we're doing, and it must start at the highest level, quote unquote, which is cabinet. And we are doing those most Mondays, but we're talking about and addressing racial equity issues every Monday with my window of time. We've been talking about very positive, constructive things, and we did talk about some difficult experiences that you all uh, had in Louisville and we've, we've all faced across the country. And Dr. Marshall, I, I, I wish everyone had the opportunity to attend your presentation for principals because you had a lot of very serious, uh, vigorous challenges for your <laughs> fellow educators. And you, you warned Look, Renee's them. nervous. Look, <laughs> you, you warned them in a, in a, in a very meaningful, uh, and I, I would say you supported everything you had to say from, from yeah. my seat, but it, it was still jarring to hear that there are so many ways that equity can be stalled out. And there are so many wow. barriers to equity that exist within us individually, uh, within the systems that we work in, in our schools mm-hmm. and within our society. You talked about um, political issues that can, that can affect equity, how focus on the people who are doing the work and not the people who are being affected by the work. Uh, you called it being adult-centered and, and fixing the oppressed, not the oppressor, or just right. a simple lack of oversight. Can, these are some of the big hurdles that have historically and routinely tripped up equity efforts. But sir, you're, 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 you have some success stories to point to. Yes. Doing this REAP process uh, at the very highest levels has led to, Renee just mentioned some wonderful advances in terms of looking at your teaching core. You have mm-hmm. schools that are dedicated to remedying this issue. Can you tell us mm-hmm. for just one, you know, one or two minutes, the process that led to forming the Du Bois Academy or the Grace James Academy? And you have entire schools now that embody a commitment to racial equity in Jefferson sure. County Public Schools. Sure. So Du Bois Academy, Grace James Academy, um, the need for those schools is to actually do a bunch of things. One of the things that uh, Chief Murphy does well is the holistic story. There's not just all these deficit things going on with black students, right? All black students don't come from broken homes. All black students don't have mom or dad in jail. All black students don't have A, B, C, and D. All black students need is culturally responsive teachers and fertile ground to grow. It sounds like that's something that's come back to you from time to time. People have tried to stall you out by by using very broad brushes. Right, right. So why create a Du Bois Academy? Aren't we going back to segregation? I've said this a thousand times. Most urban school districts already have a black boy academy. It's called the alternative school. But what we are doing is now creating a school for excellence in academics. We did not have a problem when we were shuffling black boys to our behavior school, 99% black males. But when we start talking about academic enrichment and fertile ground, it became a problem. 
So when we start looking at the data and we start putting things in place to show that uh, black students can and will learn when the ground is fertile and we have teachers uh, capable and willing to do the work, you start seeing the Du Bois Academy compete with any other middle school mm-hmm. at the highest level of <laughs> academics and not compete with how many suspensions do they have, low attendance, low self, no, no sense of belonging. So we, we put these schools in place, A, just for fertile ground, but also as a uh, incubator to show that culturally responsive teaching, racial equity, sense of belonging, parent involvement, all can happen with these things in place and this algorithm of access and opportunity is put in place and really honored. And that's what we had to do, and I believe uh, must continue to do, to show that it is something that we must work on. It's not about fixing the oppressed, it's about fixing the oppressor. And that's what the Du Bois Academy and STEAM do. We are facing a a dedicated effort in that regard as the State Board of Education here in North Carolina has adopted a strategic plan that places opportunity gaps in first place. On its triage, first level priority is that we are going to acknowledge and address opportunity gaps. And Renee Murphy, I wonder from your perspective, having covered the schools for as long as you did, what did it mean for you to help get the story out about launching Grace James Academy? What does that mean for you personally? uh, And in terms of the way you get to tell the story of the schools in Louisville, Kentucky? I feel like maybe you've read my op-ed in in our local newspaper. I try to be ready for every (laughs) guest. And folks, please keep coming back for the podcast. We're serious here. School PR drive time is not playing around. Renee Murphy, you, you got to be part of a really important story. Tell me why that's so important. It was so important to me because representation matters. Um, and so with this school highlighting excellence uh, and showing students all that's possible um, and looking at curriculum different. Um, and, and not, not just not- excellence, Renee, because I'm, I'm glossing the most important part. What makes Grace James such a unique school for you? <laughs> for, for me personally, it seeing that it is it was very emotional for me just personally as a black woman, um, because I know what I experienced as an adolescent black girl. And a lot of the things that um, I liked or things that were very unique to me were not praised. And so knowing that there is a school dedicated to lifting up young girls, to show them what is possible, to debunk some of the myths about traditional beauty, traditional acceptance, Um, And being your most true self, Um, if I had had the opportunity to go to a school like that, it would have been incredible for me. Um, And even talking about it right now, I know you're trying to make me cry, Kevin, because it it, it was emotional. It still is emotional for me Mm -hmm. to even talk about because it is a big deal for JCPS and it's a big deal for our community, uh, for a lot of young girls who felt like or feel like how I felt when I was growing up. So to all the young girls out there, you are special, you are beautiful, and you are amazing. Renee Murphy, you're, you're in the boat that so many of us are in school PR. It's, it, it's not a full day as a chief communications officer in public schools if something doesn't bring you close to that point of, of weeping over something either for good or for less good reasons. And I'm not going to call them bad. I'll just, I, I like to think positive here. We have good and less good reasons. Dr. Marshall, there are probably things that make you uh, weep. Uh, you, you might choose a different range of emotions. Again, you, you've encouraged, no, I cry. Your, you do cry. Oh, I cry. What, yeah. So, you know, you, you've encouraged your fellow educators to be brave, 
to have an irrepressible sense of urgency. You called it impatience. And we've talked about the introspection. And we're talking to you all uh, in Jefferson County Public Schools again. We're coming to the end of our conversation for today, specifically about how equity works, how it looks, and how it feels when it is authentic, when it's coming from a place of commitment where words match actions, where you have measurable goals. If there's one thing that you would encourage school PR professionals like myself or your fellow central office administrators in our schools here in North Carolina, what's one thing you would want them to remember going forward as they think about the role of equity and racial equity specifically in preparing for school in in January in the 2021 to 2022 school year? Help help us get ready for what comes next. Sure. Uh, uh, What I would encourage communicators uh, in whatever role is to be holistic in the story and the narrative. Um, All is not lost, but all is not found at the same time. And we have to share both of those. I mean, there is no mincing of words. Renee Murphy does not censor me. She corrects me. Um, And and what I I mean by that is I'm going to say that we're disproportionate. I'm going to say that this is a racist system. Renee is not going to disagree with that. What Renee is going to do is take the stories that must be said, say them, and then say, and this is also going on in spite of. What we fail to do sometimes is we celebrate how good we are and everybody loves the kids and everybody's teaching right, which is just not true. We have to, if we really want to get to equity, tell the equitable story about what is and is not happening. And then we have to challenge ourselves to be accountable. So for the REAP, I would not be an equitable leader if I did not say Dr. McPhail in my department is the main reason why the REAPs are so nationally successful. She is the director of that uh, program and is doing a great job. A black woman who has very similar sentiments to um, Renee Murphy. But I would just say that we have to communicate the whole story and we can't just gloss over what is going well. And we can't protect ourselves from the fact that all students haven't been protected and all races are not protected. And we have fought, and we have to realize that we are far from arrived. One of the things, and then I'll be quiet after this is, we could take all this success. And yes, I go and talk to a bunch of principals and counselors all over the nation, but I'm not satisfied because there is still racism in this system and every other system. So uh, I would just challenge us to actually tell the whole story, tell the truthful story, and then create things past that conversation, past what you all communicate, actions that are tangible and actions that actually uplift a side of the track that is often ran over, mistreated, and uh, left out. Chief Murphy, you get the chance to correct, uh, (laughs) not censor, Dr. Marshall. I heard that challenge there. For you, what does it mean and what would you encourage your, uh, our colleagues uh, who have now had several opportunities to kind of learn about this from the inside uh, looking out, as well as from folks who are just getting into the role Um, What do we need to know going forward? I was going to expand on what Dr. Marshall said, because I think you do have to pull back the curtain. Um, And you do, while you are highlighting the successes, you also have to take head on the things that you know are not working, are not equitable, are not fair for all students. Pull that curtain back and show that story. We recently did that with a practice we've had in our district for many, many years. And we have been taking on the big controversial topics but we've had to, Um, we can't keep doing what we've been doing. Um, So I would encourage communicators and school districts to uh, make sure that you are truthful and honest and honesty never, you know, is always the the best way to go. It it doesn't get you in trouble when you are truthful. 
Um, and I think that's been a real asset for us. And our superintendent has really um, kept true to that motto as well as being completely honest and transparent. And that's what you have to do every step of the way. You have to show uh, what is going on and you have to give voice to people who traditionally, when the story was being told previously, were not engaged. We're not uh, having their interviews uh, shown on social media. We're not having their interviews mm-hmm. shown on TV. And that's what I've really tried to be conscious of. There's a whole subset of, of voices that we haven't heard from from years. It's time that we hear from them. Renee Murphy, I'm going to give you the last word on the piece that every communications officer loves to do. How can we learn more about the work that you're doing in Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky? Well, specific to our work uh, around equity, you know, we have a great resource that's available on our website. Dr. Marshall has a whole publication around Envision Equity that talks about um, our our justice learning hubs that we're launching um, that has information about different practices, speakers that we're bringing in, professional development opportunities. So that's available on our website. Um, Our social media platforms are there as well, but we also have unique social media platforms to um, racial equity. Um, But I would encourage people, if they want to see what's going on in JCPS, uh, we really do have uh, robust, I know we've been using that word a lot here uh, with virtual learning, but we really do have a robust social media platform um, that covers various departments, um, that covers what we are really about and what we are doing um, and and what our superintendent's vision is. So our social media, our website, um, our Envision Equity publications, uh, there are lots of resources available digitally, and I can share those with you. Dr. John Marshall is the Chief Equity Officer, and Renee Murphy is the Chief Communications Officer for Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky. We've been extremely privileged that you all have allowed us to be part of your journey. What I heard Dr. Marshall say a lot during today's program is that there is not an arrival point. There is a journey and there is continual movement forward until we can arrive at uh, something much closer to what we all want for students, which is that what we would want for the most concerned family and their children is what we would end up wanting for every child in our public schools and how critical that is. What we've heard today is how the central office uh, and everyone all the way down through, through the entire family of JCPS is working on this together. We thank you so much, Renee Murphy. Thank you again for making this time a second time to join us. We look forward to learning even more about the success of initiatives, large and small, and we will be keeping an eye on you uh, at JCPS. All right, thank you very much for having me. And Dr. Marshall, I know that you and our uh, recent interviewee, James Ford, have a great working relationship and we're gonna continue hearing good things about that as well. Thank you for uh, sharing some of the insight that has helped to guide the work on racial equity here in North Carolina's public schools through those connections and good luck with everything you're doing in Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you for having me, stay safe. We typically end our episodes of School PR Drive Time with a personal note, and I cannot imagine more challenges and encouragement coming at the same time than what we just received in this short conversation with Renee Murphy and Dr. John Marshall from Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, Kentucky. To learn more about their programs and how they're successful in this work every single day, just Google JCPSKY or search with those letters on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you want to learn about a successful program that puts racial equity at the center so that every student will be represented every single day in every school. 
I found it personally inspiring, and I hope that you will turn around and use this information in your own daily work and look to other episodes of our podcast to hear conversations like our discussion with James Ford and Randy Davis from Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, or the most recent episode where we celebrated unsung heroes from school nutrition and school health. In an upcoming show, we'll be talking about school marketing with our board members and special guests, and we look at how to do that effectively in this year where so much has changed, except our bedrock commitment to serving our students, our staff, families, and communities every single day. My name is Kevin Smith, and on behalf of all my fellow members of the media team and board of directors at NCSPRA, thanks for joining and subscribing and sharing School PR Drive Time. Until next time, thanks for being with us, and take care. Mm -hmm.